The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after eight. My name is Darshan Mudli. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're talking about your health now. To vaccinate or not to vaccinate? That's the question on the Forum at 8 this morning. Today we explore the case for the vaccine against HPV or less known as the human papilloma virus. Do you have any questions about the vaccine? SMS those through to us on 34701. Also send us your comments or suggestions. Tweet or Facebook those, AM Live on SAFM. And call us. Uh, the lines will be open in the next few minutes. Here's the number you can dial, 0891 Keep that number handy, 891 What do you want to know about this new vaccine? It's going to be rolled out in South Africa, preventing uh, the human papilloma virus. I'll be shortly joined by the Minister of Health to talk about it. Over the next few months, girls who are nine years or older will be provided an opportunity to receive doses of the vaccine against HPV. It's not a single dose. Teams from the Department of Health are visiting schools right now to vaccinate more than a half a million grade four learners against the virus. Now, this is a virus that generally causes genital warts and cervical cancer, among other diseases. This, it's the second most common cancer among women in South Africa, second only to breast cancer, cervical cancer killing Eight women in South Africa every day. Uh, The Minister of Health joining me on the show this morning. He had to change his flights. He had to make arrangements in order to speak to you, the nation, today. Uh, So come forward and talk to him. What questions do you have about the vaccine? He'd love to answer those for you. Dr. Aron Masuledi will be joining us in the next few minutes. I'll also be joined by Professor Helen Rees, who's the Executive Director at WITS Reproductive Health and HIV Institute at the University of Witwatersrand. And uh, later in the hour, Magdalene Seguin is the Acting Head of Advocacy and Clinical Specialist at the Cancer Association of South Africa. Do they welcome it? What concerns do they have, if any? Uh, We'll be talking about the campaign being launched today. Is everything on track? Uh, The Minister will be joining me in the next few minutes, so do stay tuned. Send through those questions in the meantime. Let's get a little bit of background on this. Our Senior Health Journalist, Tabila uh, Tabila Mapanga, compiled this report a short while ago. The human papilloma virus, or HPV, is a highly transmittable viral infection that spreads through direct skin-to-skin contact and sometimes from mother to child. It can be acquired or transmittable even without sexual intercourse. It is now commonly found in young girls who may not have started having sex. Dr. Trudy Smith, a gynecology oncologist at the Charlotte McGregor Johannesburg Academic Hospital, explains that there are no clear symptoms of HPV. So I think our message to women would be, number one, if you have abnormal bleeding or abnormal bleeding after sexual intercourse or an abnormal discharge, you need to go to the clinic or you need to go to a healthcare practitioner but more importantly, you should demand to be examined. That's our biggest problem, is that many women go with this abnormal discharge, maybe discharge or bleeding. Other cancers caused by HPV include vaginal, anal and vulvar cancer. Because it's usually diagnosed late, one in three women die of vaginal cancer. Yet it can be cured if found in its early stages. Symptoms of vulvar cancer include pain, burning, bleeding or raw bumps. It develops slowly over several years and one in five cases is fatal. Prevention of HPV is through vaccination and pap smears. It's for this reason that government is planning to vaccinate young primary school girls against HPV. However, the vaccine that's scheduled to be rolled out 
only protects against cervical cancer and not genital warts. The National Department of Health has stressed that it opted for the vaccine that will target the specific problem area, which is cervical cancer. Dr. Ezio Baraldi, a family physician, argues that protection should be provided to both boys and girls. Obviously, if you treat the males, you're going to reduce this twice as fast at the very least. Okay? Because it's not a one-to-one. You know, sex is not a one-to-one. It's a many-to-many. One person will have sex with many people. So the broader the cover, uh, the better. Because if you do that, those numbers, then it's cost-effective to treat everybody. Dr. Smith says research conducted in the United States says there are many other factors to consider. If you are limited in your resources, you need to start with girls. So certainly in our environment, obviously we would love both girls and boys. But where we've got economic constraints, you would start with girls. And you would try and get maximum coverage. A pap smear is one of the key features in detecting cervical cancer in South Africa. Yet, less than 4% of the country's women have ever had a pap smear. As from next month, grade 4 learners will be vaccinated against HPV in an effort to reduce cervical cancer deaths in the country. Dr. Baraldi confirmed that while HPV is not the only cause of cancer, there is definitely a link between oral sex and throat cancer in both men and women. Tabile Mapanga, SABC News, Johannesburg. 13 minutes after 8, uh, the health minister will be joining us in the next few minutes, just currently uh, getting some arrangements finalized uh, to speak to us today. It's a busy day for the health minister. You must remember, uh, he is launching the uh, HPV vaccine campaign today in Bloemfontein. He's on his way there right now, and in fact, he had to change his flights in order to accommodate you, our listeners on uh, AM Live this morning, in order for him to engage with you and to interact with you, to tell you about the importance of this campaign. He changed his flight in order to leave to Bloemfontein much earlier this morning. He's uh, on his way there now for uh, the launch of this HPV vaccine, and we'll speak to him in the next few minutes. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, the, the vaccine launch today. So the Minister and the Deputy Minister of uh, Basic Education, Enver Serti, will launch uh, the HPV vaccine campaign in South Africa today. All grade four learners who are nine years and older will be provided with the opportunity to receive the HPV vaccination at school each girl will receive two doses of the vaccine. The first dose will be now in March, April, and the second dose in September, October of this year. Joining me on the line, the Minister of Health, Aaron Matsuledi. Appreciate your time, Minister. Good morning. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning to the listeners. I was just saying you made, uh, you know, you changed your flights, you made arrangements in order to speak to our listeners this morning. Uh, you're officially launching this campaign in Bloemfontein today. Is everything on track? Well, everything is on track, but we couldn't land, Bashan. We couldn't land in Bloemfontein. <laughs> we were diverted to Kimberley, so that's why we are driving, we are running to the venue. But they are waiting for us. Everything is in order there. It's I... us, who, myself and Professor Helen Rees, who couldn't arrive because we've been diverted, but we're driving there. Okay, so you, you and the professor who we're scheduled to speak to as well are, are on their way to, to Bloemfontein. Is, is there a reason why you chose a primary school minister in Bloemfontein for this launch? Yes, yes. You know, this whole issue is talking about women's health, you know, women's health and maternal mortality. And it so happened that three state at some stage was having the biggest problem in that, uh, in that field. But they soon found a formula 
to change and they've been able to reduce their maternal mortality more than any province. So symbolically we chose them because we are dealing with uh, women health issues here. What's the minimum number of learners that you need to vaccinate to make this campaign a success? Well, we are going to vaccinate all the grade 4 learners. And there are half a million of them in the whole country. You say you're providing an opportunity to those learners. So what if they don't want it, Minister? Just come again. What, what if they don't want this opportunity of being vaccinated? What if they reject this opportunity? I'm missing you. You're saying something about the opportunity I can't, I can't get. I, I said, Minister, you, you're offering these learners an opportunity from today to be vaccinated against HPV. It's an opportunity yes. that, that the department is offering to these learners. What, what if, for whatever reason, they decide not to take up that opportunity? Well, it's, it's quite bad for any human being not to take an opportunity to, to be vaccinated. Vaccinations stop very serious diseases for which most of the time we don't have treatment or adequate treatment. And the only guarantee is a vaccination. If you don't take that opportunity to be vaccinated, you are actually putting your own life in danger. You are missing a lifetime opportunity to prevent a particular disease from affecting you. And once it affects you, it might not be treatable. And this morning we're going to be talking about the value of this HPV vaccine, how much it's costing government to roll it out as well. But Minister, I, 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 wanted, I want you to deal with those people out there who perhaps today, you know, as NGOs tell us, there are people in South Africa who believe cancer only affects white children uh, and, and that it's a middle class bourgeois disease that only hipsters in skinny jeans perhaps would be shunning medication and drugs in favor of alternative medicines and natural products shunning away from vaccines how would you talk to those people today those who would reject the notion that cancer affects anyone except for white people and, and people who reject medicine this, uh, in favor of natural products and alternative medicines how would you address this to them today well, let, let me come to those who say it affects white people. Yes, we are not here talking of cancer of the skin. Cancer of the skin certainly affects mostly, not only, but mostly white people. Because cancer of the skin, uh, 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 if, if your skin is pale, that means you don't have the melanin. Black people have got what is called melanin. That's why black people are dark. That's why we are dark, because we have got a lot of melanin in the skin. Those people who don't have a lot of melanin will be affected by cancer of the skin. And it's mostly people with light skins, not only in terms of race, even who are albinos, who, who are Af- Africans, uh, they get affected by cancer. So it's light skinned people. That means it's people with a pale skin with very few melanin cells or no melanin cells yeah, uh, uh, in their skin. That's the first, uh, uh, that's the first thing. The other group who are saying alternative medications. At the moment, the best we have for cervical cancer, cancer of the cervix of the uterus. Uh, maybe let me come back again to the, to the issue of race, I'm sorry. Mm. Cancer of the cervix of the uterus affects all race groups, but unfortunately, 80% of the people who are affected are African women for information. So it's actually mm. the opposite of skin cancer. 80% of the people who usually get affected are African women. But annually, it affects 6,000 women of all races 
And out of this 6,000, the treatment, even the best treatment we have got now uh, in, in South Africa, 3,500 will perish. That means 3,500 are going to leave, are not going to leave so reduction, are not going to leave even under the best treatment. So if we vaccination can stop it, that is the best bet. We don't know any other treatment that there is that is better than what we have now in South Africa. And we are still losing 3,500 women. Even the, even the richest for our information, who have got all the money to look for any treatment, we are still losing them. It's 20 minutes off, after 8. I'm joined today by the Minister of Health, Dr. Aaron Matsuwaledi. Once again, thank you very much for joining us today. We'll get into the discussion about what is the HPV, the human papilloma virus, right after this. Give us a call as well, 0891 What questions do you have about the vaccine? Put them directly to the Minister of Health this morning. I'll also introduce uh, the other member on our panel of guests this morning. 21 minutes after 8, you're listening to the Forum at 8 with myself, Darshan Mutley. Stay tuned. In the old world of business, if you needed access to important work files, you had to actually be at the office. Wendy, I need that sales report. Yes, sorry, sir. Julie's is on his way. In the new world of business, MTN Cloud Collaboration gives your employees online access to all the files they need from wherever they may be. Whatever your business, MTN Cloud Collaboration makes working on and sharing documents easier. Get your free 30-day trial at shop.mtnbusiness.co.za or visit an MTN store near you. Welcome to the new world of business. The Vitz Business School Certificate Program in Business Project Management is a 15-day certified course for middle managers who require a substantial qualification in project management. Participants are certified in the technical, financial, and organizational aspects of managing large projects. The Vitz Business School Certificate Program in Business Project Management starts on the 31st of March and applications are now open. Call 011-717-3113 or go to wbs.ac.za. Vitz Business School. Sculpting global leaders. In 20 years of democracy, more than 7 million new households were connected to electricity, bringing light and power to South Africans. This is more than what was achieved in 104 years of apartheid and colonialism. The Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Commission. Together, we are changing lives. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 22 minutes after 8. Also joining me on the Forum at 8 this morning, we've got Magdalene Segan, who's the Acting Head of Advocacy and Clinical Specialist at the Cancer Association of South Africa. Magdalene, good morning. Thanks for your time today. Good morning, Dashan, and good morning to the Honorable Minister. Help us understand, what, what is the human papilloma virus? The human papilloma virus is a DNI virus. It's most commonly transmitted virus sexually. There are more than 100 uh, genotypes. And 40 are very easily transmitted through skin-to-skin contact uh, during oral, vaginal, anal sex. And that is why the HPV uh, vaccine will also protect against those cancers, namely oral cancers, vaginal cancers, and anal cancers. And um, as I said, there's a, uh, about 100, more than 100 mm-hmm. genotypes. And, but there are high-risk, known high-risk um, viruses, uh, namely the uh, 16 and 18, and then there are f- five others who are like the cousins, but uh, the, the 16 and the 18 is the specific ones that are in, with persistent infection of those, that virus uh, 
you know, um, cervical cancer is possible. Mm-hmm. Minister, so, Minister, if this is a sexually transmitted virus that causes genital warts and cervical cancer later in life, why are you choosing to vaccinate at nine years of age rather than when these kids are sexually active or even earlier when they're one or two years old, when they receive the rest of their vaccines? Why, why are you choosing this specific age group is, is what I'm asking. Well, the advice doesn't from the World Health Organization is that we must vaccinate sexually naive young girls. That means before any sexual activity starts whatsoever. That means before, before there's been any sexual contact. And uh, the reason that we choose nine-year-olds is that we're looking at our own situation in South Africa as a country. And we found that in the 20 uh, 11 uh, HIV syphilis survey, where we survey 33,000 women who come to our maternity clinics for HIV AIDS. We do it annually. We found that in the 2011 study, 121 of those people who came, females who came, are girls between the ages of 10 and 14 years. So, in other words, it tells us that in South Africa, Girls at the age of 10, some of them are already engaged in sex. That's why we found those who were pregnant. And so we said the safest is to move down to nine years. Because then we haven't met any nine-year-old girl yet who has been, pre- who, who has been pregnant. We only met ten-year-old. So at the moment, we believe nine years is still a safe bet. We might, we might not be 100% right. There might be some one somewhere who fell pregnant, but we don't have that information. Mm-hmm. We've got information about 10-year-olds who have got babies or who fell pregnant. Nine-year-olds, not yet. But we also know that in South Africa, young girls are now menstruating at the age of nine. So we said that should be our cutoff point. Magdalene, does the virus show any symptoms? If, if girls are engaging in sex at, at younger and younger ages, would, would they notice if they've picked up the HPV, uh, the, the virus itself? Uh, no. Yeah, Sorry, so, oh. sorry, Minister. I was putting I was putting that to to the Cancer Association. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. There is no symptoms. Um, you know, the only way one can uh, ascertain whether there is uh, infection with with with, with H- HPV is by doing a HPV DNA test or mRNA test, which is the messenger RNA, which is very expensive. So, and uh, that is why we at the Cancer Association we advise women when they go for Pap smears to ask for an HPV DNA test. And uh, I would like to reiterate what the minister said, you know, uh, experts and, and the World Health Organization through their ICO, they have, have, have said that the vaccine is best administered to the age group from nine, nine year olds. Research has shown that the vaccine is most effective given prior to young girls becoming sexually active. And as girls are entering into puberty at a much earlier age, it's prudent to ensure that the risk of young girls is minimized because 70, more than 70% of cervical cancer is caused by the HPV virus. Minister, so there's no ways of detecting if you have the symptoms of the virus except to the, through these very expensive tests. But, but Minister, is there a way to prevent exposing ourselves to the virus perhaps eliminating the need for the vaccine entirely, eliminating the need for this massive rollout. Is there any way that through our own actions we could reduce our risk factors to this disease, uh, to this virus? 
Well, I'm not very sure, except that it means every human being must now use condoms forever <laughs> because right. any, the, yes, according to research, any adult uh, person who engages in sex is likely to be exposed to the virus. In one or the other, it's likely to be exposed to the virus. So that's why at the moment the best bet is just the vaccine. So, Minister, how, how then does HPV cause cancer, or, you know, the, the, the two types of HPV uh, that cause cancer? How does the virus cause cancer? Yes, Minister. Well, I think that's a very complex uh, scientific mechanism. But the virus obviously embeds itself in the cells of the cervix and changes their DNA in such a way that they grow faster than they are supposed to be, and that, that's how cancer develops. And, and why is it so common? Why is it, you know, the second most common cancer among South African women among, uh, uh, after breast cancer? Perhaps, Magdalene, you can answer that. Um, you know, the, the natural history of, of, of cervical cancer, it takes a very, very long time because there is uh, precancerous conditions that can be very successfully treated, and that is why we urge women to go for pap smears. And we, in our mobile units, we, we go to all areas in South Africa. We have a very large footprint in South Africa, and we go. We have eight mobile units, and we offer, uh, even in the far rural areas, we offer pap smears, and, you know, we, we, we work with the National Health Laboratory. And uh, the thing is that... Um, Knowledge is, is very, very important, and we mobilize the communities to, to, to really, really take uh, uh, responsibility for their own health. And uh, I would also just like to say that, uh, you know, uh, um, the Minister of Health in his budget vote speech, you know, we have been very, very, very uh, encouraged by when we had, uh, when we had uh, the announcement and uh, because that is very, very important mm-hmm. in, it's in the early detection and prevention of cervical cancer. And vaccines are part of primary prevention. Magdalene, let's hold it there. It's 8.30 now, time for your news headlines. When we return, we'll get more into the vaccine, uh, talking about exactly how the vaccine works to prevent HPV, thus preventing cervical cancer and linking it to genital warts again. But what about men taking it? Should men be using the uh, HPV vaccine as well? Should it also be given to us and older women and men as well? What about those? We'll also be looking at uh, the costs of rolling out this HPV vaccine program and the efficacy of it. Stay tuned. Your conversation can, uh, you can call us uh, to have a conversation with us. 0891 SMSs on 34701. 8.30 now time for your news headlines. Here's Vibakshini Chatty. It's uh, now 26 minutes to 9. Morning Talk comes up with Rowena Bird right after us. Rowena, good morning. What's on the show today? Hello, Dashan. Good morning to you. And uh, uh, on Morning Talk today, we are going to have our regular Wednesday morning open line, Dashan. This is where the listener has the opportunity to talk about whatever is on his or her mind. There is, however, a disclaimer now that we have officially entered the election broadcast period. We are not going to take any calls which endorse any political party, any political view. And this is a directive from ICASA. So may I just suggest that we talk about other things other than politics because they're out of bounds for now during this period of electioneering. They are um, designated shows 
on uh, SABC, which carry politics, and yours is one of those shows, Dosh, and morning, morning Talk is just not one of them. So I'd appreciate it if the listeners could observe that requirement. So that's between 9 and 10. In the second hour of Morning Talk, we're going to talk about South Africa's 20-year review report. Now, as part of the 20 years of freedom celebrations, President Jacob Zuma presented this report yesterday. It really reflects the legacy that democratic South Africa inherited. It reflects also how um, the country has progressed in realizing the objectives that it set itself in 1994. And it talks about the challenges that still remain and how we could best address these as we enter the third decade of democracy. So we'll speak to presidential spokesperson Mr. Mac Maharaj about this report. Also in the second hour, we will talk about how to reach entrepreneurial greatness. Is there a secret to this? We'll find out later, and we look forward to your participation on that as well. And then finally, we'll talk about the weather and why most of the country has been experiencing these heavy downpours which result in flooding in parts. So that's the show for today. Thank you, Doshin. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you very much, Rowena. 24 minutes to nine. Talking today about the HPV vaccination campaign kicking off in South Africa today. The Minister of Health, Dr. Aram Matswaledi, is on his way to Bloemfontein as we speak, uh, where he's going to launch this campaign, announcing that all grade four learners, girls who are nine years or older, will be provided the opportunity to receive the HPV vaccination at schools each girl will receive two doses of the HPV vaccination. The first dose now in March to April and the second dose in September to October of 2014. Minister, what does the individual vaccine cost government and then what does the entire campaign cost government? Hi, Minister. Okay, we're going to try and fix his line. Magdalene, are you there? Hi, Magdalene. Okay, it seems we're uh, having a bit of problem with both their lines right now. We will try to get them on the line to find out more about this. Uh, the costs of these pharmaceutical drugs, of course, is a big concern. And uh, the minister has been telling us about his efforts to try and reduce the costs of uh, drugs. If you'd like to give us a call about this, 891 We'll definitely be able to put you on air while we get the minister and uh, the doctor there back on the line. Uh, Magdalene Segan, the acting head of cancer as well. But would you like to engage with us? Do you have any questions about the vaccine, about, about its efficacy, about its effectiveness, about its costs, about its use, about how it's going to affect the rate of cancer, which is increasing around the globe, uh, you can do so by giving us a call, 0891104208. Any questions you have, we'll take those with you. 23 minutes to nine. Stay tuned. Books and stories. Words and language. Reading, writing, and reflections. All on SAFM Literature with me, Nancy Richards. Every Sunday on SAFM between 1 and 4. Make it a date. If I'm greedy, yet I'm willing to share, that's okay. There is nothing wrong with that. Greed becomes wrong when I, after raking in the millions, I still have to go and take the last lamb that a big pompous up the road has and he has nothing more. Then that is when things uh, are qualified as being grossly unjust, unrighteous, and just downright wrong. Join me, Manda Shongwe, every weekday, 4 to 6 a.m. on SFM as I bring you Heads Up. 
The Forum at 8 on SAFM. The Minister of Health is back on the line with us. Minister, what is the individual cost of the vaccine to government and what does the rollout campaign cost you? Jackson, if, if you go to the private sector, this will cost you between 700 and 1,000 rands per person. That's how much it will cost you. But we have negotiated very hard. Since my budget speech, I announced there that we are going to try our best to negotiate. And we have successfully negotiated using the purchasing power of government, the economies of scale, but also the fact that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is trying to subsidize companies internationally to help uh, developing countries. So at the moment, the, to- the whole rollout for the next two years will be 400 million. Then we'll take it up from there. This year we're doing half a million young girls. Next year another half a million. That's going to cost us 400 million rand. And Minister, the, the rate of cancer, as you know, is increasing around the globe. The United Nations estimates that developing countries like ours are going to be hardest hit by cancer in the next 15 years. 40% of South African children right now with cancer never reach a specialist center for any kind of treatment. This vaccine is obviously meant to reduce that burden of cancer. What monitoring systems are you putting in place to ensure that, the, that it's effective and that, it doesn't de- that, that we don't see any uh, harmful repercussions? Oh, no, we've got a lot of teams. That's and we've been planning this for the past eight months. We, we have trained no less than 3,000 health workers. And remember, this is part of the integrated school health program. President Zuma launched the school health program in October uh, 2012 uh, 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 in Kalinen. So this is part of the school health program. It has got people who are naming it. But for this particular vaccination campaign, we prepared for the past eight months. We have got 3,000 workers trained. They know how to monitor it. We have got what we call pharmacovigilance groups. Pharmacovigilance is, is, you know, groups that check for any adverse effects after the immunization, and they know what to do if, if they are any. In other words, if there is any problem during the whole process of immunization, we have got people who have been trained to do, to do that. Minister, if you'll oblige me, we've got Karen on the line who wants to ask you a question from Cape Town, and then we, I know we have to release you. Karen, good morning. You have your opportunity. Good morning. Good morning, Minister. Um, I'd just like to ask whether the rollout to girls is going to be in all schools to all nine-year-old girls um, or not. Thank you. Karen, thanks for that call. Minister? All public schools, Dashen, every single public school, as long as it's not a private school. Not that we hate private schools, but because of media resources, we hope parents who have been able to take their children to private schools will be able to afford the 1,000 rand. I'm going to do so, by the way, for my own child. He's in a public school, but it's not nine years. He's gone beyond. So it doesn't mean those who have gone beyond cannot be vaccinated, but they are not part of this program, unfortunately. And do you advise... So I want to advise parents. I'm, my, my own mm. child is in grade seven. I am going to pay the 1,000 rand to get them vaccinated. I'll advise other parents. Those who have got children in private schools, regardless of in which grade, I mean, I mean, regardless of whether they are in grade 9 or not, who are not covering them, the parents must try to cover them. But for now, every child who is in a public school, a, a, a former model C school or a school in a village, as long as it's a government school, a public school, from quintile 1 to quintile 5, all of them, will give that vaccine free.
And Minister, so it's all the schools in the country. Do you, do you advise parents to buy it for for their boy child as well as their girl child? Well, Russian, all the countries that have vaccinated, UK, Australia, etc., they started with boy, uh, with girls, with girl children, because the impact of cervical cancer is with girls. But those countries that are richer, we we know that they subsequently later on. Uh, 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 when the program is mature, they, they've also uh, 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 sent it over to boys. So wh- what I will do is because I think you must keep, I must keep to Professor Helen Reese. I'm with her here now. We know we are mm-hmm. on an emergency mode. We are, we are changing driving. How <laughs> our drive should take over because <laughs> she'll answer all the technical questions. So uh, let me keep over to her. All right, Dr. Matsuleni, thank, thank, thank you very uh, much for joining let us me this morning. The I appreciate that. Dr. Aaron Matsuleti, Minister of Health there. As you can see, they've changed their arrangements just to accommodate you this morning. Uh, I'm getting through SMSs, and perhaps I can put this uh, through to you. Professor Helen Reese is uh, joining us on the line now, Executive Director uh, at the WITS Reproductive Health and HIV Institute and the, at the University of Witwatersrand. Today, she's also a driver for the Health Minister. Uh, Professor Reese, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I, I hope uh, the, the health minister is a, is a good person to drive. Um, well, I'll tell you. I'll comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Prof, here's a question that I, that I got from Nana Intanda. She sounds like a very concerned, uh, as concerned aunt. She says, my niece was vaccinated at a school on Monday, and an hour later she was crying, saying her head had hurt, and she had a very bad fever later in the day. Why are we putting kids through this when it can be done when they're a little bit older and can handle it? Grade 8, maybe. And I'm going to add to Nana, why not do it when they're younger, when they won't even remember it? Why not at one year or two years old? Well, um, let me take the, the first question, mm. which is her niece was was immunized and then said she had a headache and she was crying. Um, when we look at any vaccine introduction, we do look very carefully at side effects. And we know that with the HPV vaccine, it's, it, it's very common to get a sore arm. Not fever, that's not, a, that's not a commonly reported side effect, and not headache. The two things that have been recorded, which are uh, um, as a, an association with the vaccine, as I say, are sore arms. You get that with a lot of vaccines, and that's because what the vaccine is doing is creating a response in the body, and that's why the arm is sore. Uh, But the other thing that has happened, and this was noted in Australia, is especially amongst older adolescent girls, is that some of them tended to faint. But when that was looked at very carefully, that was more to do with giving, and and the caller's quite right, to giving a particular age group, and in this case it was older adolescents, who are tend to faint more easily and tend to react to the sight of needles. So in terms of what your caller's experiences, this is not common. Professor Reese, your, your line is breaking up a little bit. We'll try, we'll, we'll try and fix your line uh, just off air. But Professor Reese's line, obviously they are driving on the way to uh, Bloemfontein, so sometimes uh, intermittent problems with the line there. But we'll get uh, more advice for you. Uh, Nana, I, I, Magdalene, perhaps you can help us, Ms. Segan, here. I mean, w- what advice would you give to Nana this morning? She's uh, talking about a headache and fever. As you heard Professor Reese there saying, it's, it's not really the associated uh, you know, side effects with this with this uh, vaccination. What what should Nana do about this this morning? Um, you know, I think the best thing would be to address it to the the, the group that the minister has mentioned, the adverse effects group, because um, you know there might be other uh, 
uh, um, aspects to this. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you ethically you can't really comment uh, because uh, the child complained of a headache, but uh, one doesn't know whether she had perhaps a low blood sugar or etc. Et I'm just I'm, I'm just throwing it out there, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think the best is to the people who are trying to do this, the adverse effect group. It, it, and I'm sure she through the school she will be able to to, um, to contact those people. Professor Reese, you're back on the line. Unfortunately, uh, your, your line was breaking up towards the end there. Do you, do you just want to complete what you were saying? Yes. I, I mean, as I say, sore arms, yes, we should certainly expect that. Um, the reason ministers explained why we're doing this age group because we really want to catch the children before they become sexually mm. active so they get maximum benefit. Your question about younger children is a very good one because as, as clearly what people are referring to is we're very familiar with immunizing children, lots of injections under two years mm. of age. Um, and that research has not yet been done. But clearly mm. we can, well, that research will be done certainly in the future to see how young we can go. Uh, one of the reasons also you, you, you want to look at older children at the moment is that's what we have drawn for this older age group. Um, and it's also about learning more as we immunize. We've immunized literally tens of millions of girls now around the globe. As we learn more, we'll also know how long the vaccine, the, the body's response to the vaccine continues. Mm. And, uh, so, and, and as we, as, as we understand how long it lasts for and whether we need to boost it. We will then have much more, um, we'd be much better positioned to decide if and when we can go to a lower age group. Jenny in Middleburg, her, her daughter's at a private school and she says that they recommended that uh, their girls are vaccinated from grade 8 onwards. I, I'm assuming the private school is recommending that. Uh, Jenny says it costs me 800 rand per injection and there's three in the course. Uh, Professor Reese, I mean, I mean, does it have to be, do you have to get these three doses of the drug? Is there no single dose for the vaccine? At the moment, all of the evidence suggests that a single dose of the vaccine wouldn't be enough. As you know, with many vaccines, we don't just give one, we give one and then we almost remind the body of what they've been exposed to. And we do that twice or even three times and even more for some vaccines. So single dose certainly will give some protection, but not nearly the, the kind of protection that you get for more doses. Now, what we've learned since the vaccine was first introduced, when both of the vaccines that are available require a three-dose schedule, what we've learned is, uh, we're getting more and more data, is that a two-dose schedule is equivalent to the three-dose schedule. And that's why in the schools program, we've gone for a two-dose schedule. Um, and both vaccines, there is data to suggest that a two-dose schedule is, is, is going to be acceptable. So uh, at the moment, the, what is recommended is a three-dose schedule from the manufacturers, but the manufacturers themselves are now applying to regulatory authorities to uh, look at whether that can be reduced to a two-dose schedule. And the World Health Organization is also looking at all the data which looks very favorable for a two-dose schedule. And that's why... Uh, we've chosen a two-dose schedule uh, in South Africa. Professor Issa, you talk about the World Health Organization. I also want to look at other countries that are implementing this. Uh, but here's another question. Uh, perhaps Magdalene Segan, you can help us out with this one. Um, this is a, a question from a listener saying, um, if a young woman is already sexually active, 
Should she have the vaccine and does it help to prevent cervical cancer? Magdalene? Um, you know, one should first ascertain if, if, if that younger woman uh, has, uh, in fact, uh, the infection already. Because uh, then um, it is uh, it, 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 it's not advisable to have the vaccine. That is from the literature that we know that if you already have the virus, mm. that it's not uh, um, uh, advisable. And Professor Rees? Well, um, <laughs> this vaccine is designed as a preventative vaccine to stop infection. It's not designed, some, some vaccines we are developing as what are called therapeutic vaccines, and that means that we use them as part of treatment. This mm. vaccine is not designed to treat. However, um, it, there is no harm at all. If the, if the young girl has been exposed to HPV, there is no harm in her having the vaccine. Um, so you could do one of two things. Uh, there is a test that will test for human papillomavirus that gynecologists could do, but it's very expensive. Uh, if, if people are in a position to do that, they could get a test to see if, if there's already been exposure to human papillomavirus. Um, the alternative is that you say, well, how young is she? Uh, has she been very sexually active for a very long time and not using condoms? There's a different discussion, obviously, that needs to go on there. Uh, if, 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 she, if she's young and she hasn't had a lot of sex, I would immunize her. There's, there's no safety concern, and there's a high possibility she might not have yet been exposed to HPV. Miss hmm. Egan, for, um, for... Excuse me, Dashan, yes, can, I, can I just interject there? Sure. One also has to remember that HPV virus can be transient. You know, it is with persistent infection that one gets the virus uh, really affecting the cells. Uh, so I just have to make that point because, uh, you know, the literature says that most uh, uh, women are exposed to the virus one or other time in their life, but, uh, you know, it can, it, 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 your immune system can uh, handle that. Well, I mean, taking the vaccine doesn't eliminate the need to go for checkups to your local gynecologist, does it, Ms. Egan? No, no. Uh, when, you know, we advise women that have had the vaccine because the vaccine is listed for up to the age of 26 years, that women who have had the vaccine, that they still go for that vaccine. Hmm. Professor Rees, uh, you know, how successful has this been in other countries? We've heard it rolled out in the UK, and I think Australia has also uh, rolled out uh, the, the, the drug as well. I mean, is the vaccine successful in these countries? Yes, uh, we've, we've seen significant success in, in already in Australia. It's one of the first countries to roll out, uh, where they're finding much less infection with HPV. Um, and what they also found was it wasn't only in the young women, but they also found that young men as a secondary effect, because if you reduce infection in young women, you obviously, at a population level, reduce infection in young men. They also showed reduced, they've also shown reduced infection in young men. It, it looks to be a, a highly effective vaccine against the HPV types that are contained in the vaccine. And I think that's just one thing that we should remember. We, these two vaccines have got two high-risk types that are very strongly associated with mm. cancer of the cervix. But there are other HPV types not mm. covered by the vaccine mm. that can also cause mm. cancer. So that's why screening continues to be very important. And screening anyway will continue to be very important because we have 
a whole generation of young women who haven't yet, will not have had the benefit of the vaccine. So we're going to continue the screening program. There are real efforts to improve the screening program and its effectiveness. Um, but uh, the, the answer to your question is yes. In the countries and developed worlds where this has been rolled out, there's good epidemiological evidence that this is, this is having the effect that we hope for. Hmm. And, and Prof, would you, would you suggest that young boys, uh, parents of those young boys go out and vaccinate them as well? And if you can afford it as an adult, perhaps as well as a man, should, should I go out and vaccinate myself? I think it's, it, it's certainly something to think about. The, the HPV, there is, there's called HPV types 16 and 18, and both of the vaccines are available. We only have two vaccines available at the moment. Now, those two HPV types are associated Cancer of the throat, which is by far and away the biggest cancer, and that's why we're targeting this in young women. However, they're also associated with other cancers, uh, called other genetic cancers in women, female cancer in young men, and increasingly we're seeing cancer in the mouth and, and in the throat associated with HPV. But none of those cancers are anything like prominent cancer of the cervix. Now, having said that, uh, there is there would be benefits for boys and girls. Uh, the benefit for boys directly is much, much, much less than for girls. But there would be benefits in terms of these other cancers. Uh, the association, for example, with anal cancer um, is about 90% associated with these two HPV types. So there would be benefits if people are in a position to immunize their sons. But as the minister said, if we immunize the girls and we get high coverage, we, the boys will get, at a, at a population level, they'll get a secondary benefit and then we lost her line just as she was about to tell us uh, the next benefit of it. Uh, Magdalene Siegert, are you there? Okay, unfortunately, I think we've lost both our guests, unfortunately. There were other questions that I wanted to get to. This one in particular, at what point is it too late to have the vaccination? That SMS came through unsigned. A lot of SMS is coming through anonymously this morning, and it, I guess it kind of shows us we are a little bit skittish about talking about our sexual health and giving our names. It's still a bit of a taboo subject. Very interesting to note how many people wrote in and did not want to give their names, did not want to tell us where they were from. Uh, and one very brave caller who did call in and asked about uh, the reproductive health and, and how the vaccine was going to work uh, for her young kids. So that was great, and I'm glad that you did manage to get an answer to your question. Thank you very much for joining us today. I, I think today's forum was more an educational forum, and I hope we did you justice. So do write in to us if there's any other issues that you'd like us to pick up, other health issues, other issues that you'd like us to get into to raise awareness and education on issues. Uh, Magdalene Segan, I believe we have you back on the line. Just your closing thoughts, perhaps, and and. and could you answer this question? At what point is it too late to have the vaccination? Yes, I was both talking, but then the line went off. Uh, the vaccine is, is, has been registered, uh, um, you know, for from the age of nine years to 26 years. So women who are older, who are over 26, must uh, go for pap smears and ask for the DNA test, uh, the HPV DNA test. Uh, the vaccine is, uh, has not been studied in older women. So, um, you know, Dashit, I would also like, because I see the time is running out, mm -hmm. what I would like to, to say to the, to, to the public out there is that, you know, the, the South African HPV Advisory Board has estimated that nine women die every day in South Africa from cervical cancer, mm -hmm. which is a highly preventable cancer. 
And as the minister said, 3,500 people die annually. And among those 3,500 women that die are of childbearing age. So, uh, you know, women are getting cervical cancer younger and younger. And um, 6,000 women in South Africa annually uh, uh, are in fact, uh, uh, do, uh, are diagnosed, sorry, with, uh, with, with cancer. Uh, cervical mm-hmm. cancer. Magdalene Sigan, we have to leave it there with you, Acting Head of Advocacy and Clinical Specialist at the Cancer Association of South Africa. Professor Rees, just one final question. If we still have questions, and I see the public is still writing in anonymously to us, where can they go to get answers? Who do they go to? Um, the well, the Department of Health uh, would certainly be able to give answers, and they've got leaflets. Um, I'm just going to check with the minister. Is there a helpline for people, or can they send emails in? I'm just checking with the minister who's still driving. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, but I, th- I think it's a very good point, and I, I think what, what the Department of Health will do is to make sure that there is somewhere where people can send in their questions and can get answers. Uh, specifically, if people want to send some emails through to you and mm-hmm. send them through to me, then my institute can answer specific questions Great. with pleasure through email. Let's, let's do that. Professor Helen Rees, a very entertaining hour. Thank you very much for joining us. Executive Director at WITS Reproductive Health and HIV Institute at the University of Witwatersrand. All of this, trying to figure out who's on the phone, who can drive. It was great. And if you have questions, please write those into us. We will pass them along to the good professor and to the Minister of Health as well. You can write to us, email address amlive at safm.co.za, tweet us amlive at safm or sms three four seven zero one. I'm Darshan Mudli. Thank you so much for your time today. It's nine o'clock. Time for your news bulletin. Here's Vibhakshini Shetty.